Hi, my name is Ole Emanuel, and you're welcome to a new episode of In These Moments. Now, today's storyteller is someone I find really fascinating. Um, I've been friends with Oloni for a while now. I am really taken aback by the work that she does. It's hard for you to be on Twitter or to be on social media and not have come across a thread um, from Twitter by Oloni. Um, it's hard for you not to have seen some sort of conversation about dating, about sex, about relationships linked to one of her topics that you know she talks about online. I think the work she does is very important, even when sometimes the topics may seem a little bit um, intense, but I think it's important to facilitate conversations. It's important to speak about things and to also give angles that we may not see. And the fact that she kind of gives people the room to have these conversations with her anonymously, to just like create an environment where people feel comfortable to discuss the things that they do with her says a lot as someone who does something similar where i take people's stories you know sometimes i have to like hide the identity of people i have to like change their voices and so on i know the importance of creating a space for people to speak freely and to just express themselves oloni has done this for a while she does it better than most people and i just had to get her story i had to get her here to speak about herself and to also give us some insight into her journey and how she became what she is now. Funny thing about this interview is we, we had this discussion at the beginning of the pandemic, I believe. Yeah, it was supposed to be on the last season of this show, but, um, you know, due to different things. If you listen through this season, you know the full story. But I always knew I was going to have this up. I love speaking to her. This is like the second interview I'm having with her, actually. She was on a former podcast some years back. I hope you get to know her more than what you see in the public. Um, she's brilliant. And um, any reference in relation to time that's made on a podcast, honestly, just add two years to it um, because of the time, you know, difference. So in case anything's been mentioned that kind of like feels off, just remember that it was recorded in 2020, you know, and uh, adjust. I should stop speaking now. Let's get to Oloni's story. I was born in London, pretty much grown here my whole life. I have a sister who's four years younger than me. She's like the apple of my eye. We're very, very close. Grew up with my mum and dad. They grew up in Nigeria. They immigrated here in the late 80s, maybe around like 87, 88. And um, they had me, their fave. <laughs> My mum and dad probably came because they just wanted a better life for themselves. And, you know, to give their family back home a better life. Usually when I speak to my mum, I think she usually says that she, she wished she went to America. I'm glad that she moved to England, to be honest. I always wanted to live in America once upon a time, maybe in my teen years. As I grew older and a bit more aware, I found that perhaps maybe England would be better suited for me in terms of just how the world is in general. Not that England is great or anything because there's a lot of progress that needs to be made. If you just look at racism, for example. But yeah, um, glad that we were able to get the opportunity to live here and that my family were able to give my sister and I a better life because I think it's something that 
a lot of people from the diaspora don't usually think about or deep or maybe they do i can't speak for everyone in the diaspora but um i do know that we are quite lucky in a sense as a first gen i feel like there's a lot of pressure on you especially because i'm the first born so growing up it was expected of me to go to university to get the best paying job in you know the corporate world if it wasn't a doctor it was lawyer I always make the joke that you know my parents didn't do too bad like one out of two isn't bad not that I'm putting myself down because I think I'm doing pretty good but my sister's a doctor so they had that doctor that most Nigerian parents wanted to brag about there was a bit of pressure on me at the same time I made it very clear as I was growing up that please do not rely on me in terms of academia and being book smart because I was never that person I was never really book smart I don't know for some reason I didn't really like subscribing to the culture of education like I hated the culture of education but you know just going into school and doing this and having this deadline and I think because I'm such a creative and I work best when I'm inspired you know it was very different to you know going to school and being told that one plus one is two, obviously one plus one is two and everyone should know that. But my point is just that I was never really that person who enjoyed going in. And I, I was having this conversation with my sister. I was just like, I think my school let me down because I had some terrible teachers and not that I was the easiest person to teach. But when you do have a good teacher when you're in school, it really does put a very big impact on the success and the outcome of you know your results as a student but I feel like there was a that there wasn't that much pressure but at the same time I felt like there was a bit I just made sure I took it off quickly because I let it be known that yo this isn't me I'm not gonna be that lawyer I'm not gonna be an accountant I'm not gonna be a doctor I think they pretty much saw it as I was growing up yeah like you know <laughs> she might be a lost cause you know, just don't put too much faith into this. Um, she's definitely going to do her own thing. I was very lucky in a sense because with what I do in my background, I get so many women who message me and they're like, you know, you're Nigerian. How did your parents feel about your career? Because had that been me, my parents would go apeshit. Like it would never be up for discussion. It's, you've, you know, you've got to do your sixth form. You've got to go to university. You've got to graduate. You've got to get a first. You have to get a master's and then a PhD and maybe another PhD, whatever. But I never really had that. My parents were very easy going with me. They did want me to excel and they did want me to always do my best, but they never put that pressure. Like I wasn't overly pressured. It was just don't disgrace me and read your books. <laughs> so, you know, when I left school, I pretty much made it clear that I want to do something within the media. I want to either be, you know, a, a TV presenter. I want to work in magazine. I want to be on radio. I made it very clear what I wanted to do. And when they saw that that was the type of person and creative I was, um, they became a bit more, they, you know, they loosened up a bit. So um, again, I think I'm quite lucky in that sense because I know there are other families who would never keep me in the house if they knew what career path I'd want to go to. It'd be like, oh, you want to you wanna start a blog? This is what you want to do? You want to start a Twitter and start asking people silly questions? Right, get out of my house. <laughs> but I think my parents cared more about what made me happy and that's all that matters. And they're doing great. Yeah, and I'm doing great. She talks about a very important relationship in her life, her relationship with her sister. So I think because 
there's only two of us like she's my only sister so um I think just automatically it was just like this is your only friend and we grew up in the 90s where before wi-fi or internet the internet was a thing so we had no choice but to be each other's best friend it was just like well if I can't play with you I'm not going to play with an imaginary friend even though I know most kids did do that especially like only borns but you know that was that was it but I think as we got older I think when I started hitting my teens you know I feel like a lot of teenagers go through that phase where of course you go to secondary school you or high school as some might call it and you make your friends and whatnot you develop an attitude you think you're a big woman and you know, there was that awkward stage between us when we weren't as close. So when we were kids, we were really close. But then as I turned into a teenager, she wasn't a teenager. So the things I was going through, she wouldn't really understand. Do you know what I mean? When I'm like 13, 14, and I don't know, she's what, like 10 or something. You don't really, there isn't that closeness as much anymore. But as we got older again, and we're both in our teens, we became closer um, due to life experiences as being young women and her leaning on me for advice when she was going through things. And I'm just like, oh my God, I, I went through that. Don't worry, this is how you overcome it. Your friends are upsetting you. Okay, don't worry, this is this is what's going to happen. It happens all the time. You know, there was always that exchange between us. And I think now we're both in our 20s. Um, I mean, I'm 30 in a couple of months and she's just turned 25. We're both adults and we're both well into our careers now. And there's just that friendship and level of understanding and respect for each other above everything. And um, because I admire her a lot, like I put her on such a high pedestal. She was someone who said when she was younger, I want to be a doctor. And as I said prior, that is most Nigerian parents' dreams for their kids. Not their own, not mm. the kids' dream. But she genuinely wanted to be a doctor and to see her become that was a very beautiful thing. It was like a journey that I witnessed before my own eyes. So I have so much respect because I saw how hard she worked and it made me admire her even more because um, she had her own battles and her own struggles, but she still was able to overcome everything and achieve that. But I think our closeness just comes from the love that we have for each other. Like, I think my family is just a very loving um, family and we believe family over everything. And we don't believe fighting for long. We don't believe like not talking to your siblings or your family. Like any problem that's had, you can like sulk about it, but you must get along and you must speak again. And I think we just have a very forgiving attitude for each other. And the fact that we know what the other one is capable of, um, I usually call her the sensible child. She knows that I've got like tricks up my sleeve, but she's the sensible one. Like she would, if someone was to say, oh, like, I don't know, like um, Dami got arrested or something. She'd be like, yeah, my sister probably did get arrested. But if I was to hear, oh, Temi got arrested, I'd be like, no, that person's obviously done something to my sister. She's not that type. So do you know what I mean? When you understand someone so much and there's just so much transparency, you can't help but just really, really admire and love that person. So there's no secrets between us whatsoever. And we're, we're just, yeah, we, it's weird because we were talking about TikTok just before we started um, recording this, Wale. And now that the whole quarantining is happening and this silly coronavirus has taken over, my sister and I found ourselves being absolutely silly and, um, you know, making TikTok videos together. And it's bizarre because we're recording this and 
publishing it online. But it was the exact same thing we were doing when we were growing up as kids. Like, I think I tweeted this a couple of days ago, like when I was seven and she was probably, what, four, and my mum would send us out to play we would just be, you know, we'd just be making up dance routines to Daphne and Celeste, like Oostic U or U-G-L-Y. Like we'd make up like really, really fun dances in the playground and stuff. And it's so funny because that's what we're doing now to keep mm. ourselves busy. So we've just always had a very close relationship and um, I wouldn't have it any other way. She goes into detail about her relationship with sex growing up. So um, my relationship with sex was through really poor education at the beginning. So I didn't know that much as, as most young adults. So I probably grew an interest into the topic properly into my early like 20s. However, when I first, for example, even like lost my virginity, I was 18 years old. But even before that, of course, like everyone has an interest when you're like in your early teens, you know everyone wants to know what a particular sex position or or you know what the vagina or what a penis might look like but I remember not knowing that much I remember my friend even talking about semen once and she used the word cum and I was just like what's that I was in my I was think I was like yeah my mid-teens I was probably like 14 or 15 had no idea what it was and I just remember her laughing at me and I'm just like you know like is this something I'm supposed to know like why is it such a big deal? And it just, I think it was just, it's probably just like kids behavior. Like if you don't know something, you're just to be laughed at. I think that's just normal. <laughs> but I was just like, am I missing something? What's going on? It wasn't just that. It was always wanting to learn, not learn, but giggle at other things to do with sex. I remember my friend would ask me, do you know what a snowball is? And I'd be like, what's that? And she'd be like, it's when a guy does this and this. And she'd be like, do you know what a golden shower is? And I'd be like, what's that? What's golden? It's when a guy pees on a woman. And I'm in like my mid-teens. I'm just like, goodness, like this is insane. Do humans do this? This sounds really animalistic. Like what the hell is going on? But obviously as you grow older, you just understand that we're just really keen to understand, like we're keen to find out about some of the crazy things to do with sexuality you know you just want to find it's like the two cup was it the two girls and one cup video the two girls and one i can't remember oh what that God. was called two girls one cup yeah two girls one cup you know it's just like that that video that went viral once upon a time and everyone just wanted to see it or i don't even i really even if you were to ask me what happened in that video i just know it was incredibly nasty i can't remember completely but i know that was the first few days so when i moved to america can you imagine? really like literally <laughs> i came from the airport and yeah. my sister was like oh i want to show you something and i was yeah and you know that just culture of oh i want to show you something can you just that was that's what it was it was like kids just wanted to show each other something it was just like do you know what this is or have you seen this and nobody even had a proper understanding of sex there was it was just always the fun side or the the silly side or the very glamorized side which would obviously be porn online or through dvds or the top shelves in in corner stores or magazines such as playboy there was no real education so that was where my angle was coming from. So like my first relationship with sex was from the, you know, the silly or the jokey side. There was no real formal understanding and education. But when it did slip into education, it was more to scare me. It was, you know, don't have sex because if you do, you're going to die. You might get chlamydia. You might get pregnant. You might get gonorrhea. Use condoms. This is how you put a condom. Be on your way. There was no emotional side being taught. There was no aspect of consent between adults being taught. There was no, 
there was just there was there wasn't the emotional side in general um it was just the biology you know the physical between two people as I got older I had friends who were all desperate to lose their virginity I found myself in a relationship with a guy I met at my first job and I was just like you know wow he's you know he's really cute and we started dating and one of my friends had lost their virginity before me and then when I started dating this guy then it happens with me and then I felt like because I was the second person in my group of friends my third friend was desperate to lose her virginity and it just became a thing of women not wanting to do it for themselves wanting to fit in and I think that's probably what a lot of kids are probably still doing today I mean I don't have any friends or siblings or cousins that I speak to regularly about their sex lives who are who are you know in their teens but I can only imagine it's probably worse especially with the access to the internet today Um, there was no snapchat when I was growing up couldn't have Mm -hmm. access to porn so easily through one click you'd have to steal someone's magazine or go online and you know verify yeah. that you were 18 etc but um that was the very early stages of what my relationship with sex was like she talks about her first sexual experience and how that progressed over time what i do remember was being very just telling my partner to be very gentle and how i tricked him into coming back to my home um, when my family wasn't in i was just like my family isn't in let's do this, I've got the condoms, let's go. But after everything else, I think I was, I knew I had already prepped myself and because I spoke to my friend and she'd already told me like, you know, it's going to hurt first time and the second time and the third time. But then after, you know, it does get better. So I already felt like because I'd had that conversation with my friends, I knew what to expect. And they were in a sense actually right. I don't remember thinking, oh, this was amazing, but I don't think it was. Mm. I mean, if I don't remember it being amazing, I can't imagine it was. I probably thought to myself, I just want to get this over and done with so we can get to the next level and I can just experience sex properly. But I don't think it was amazing. Losing your virginity is not all like this beautiful romantic scene. You know, you will pull faces, you'll be uncomfortable and no one really knows what they're doing. I've always been a writer, so ever since I was like 10 years old, I had a diary. I had a diary where I would just probably like, I think I even still have the diary. And I was just like, what were you writing? And sometimes I can't even make out what I'm saying. But I had a diary from when I was 10 till when I was probably 15. Probably stopped writing for a bit then, voila, the internet was really pumping. You know, we had MySpace, MSN, etc. So... I was thinking, do I start a blog on MySpace or do I create my own account? And thankfully, I decided to create um, my own Blogspot account because obviously MySpace kind of, you know, it wasn't as popping as it was anymore. So I decided that I would create my own Blogspot account because I just wanted to detail certain things of my life. And it wasn't just talking about relationships. I was also talking about friendship. I was also talking about, you know, what it felt like starting college and um, just different aspects of my life but I did notice that there was a trend that I really enjoyed talking about boys and my relationship and how happy I was and I enjoyed you know having conversations with my girls and wanting to put it into my body of work when I was blogging but obviously like you know change their names so I wouldn't be putting anyone's business out there but I just noticed that there was a pattern that I really enjoyed talking about relationships and sex and 
I also noticed that it wasn't very popular for black women to do. Maybe relationships and dating, but sex, not so much. So even my favorite magazines I always used to read were like Cosmopolitan. And I remember my mum caught me reading it once and she was just like, what is this stupid magazine that you're reading? And looking back, I think it was probably because the cover might have had like 20 ways to give him the greatest blowjob ever. So she had every right to tell a 14-year-old not to be reading such a magazine. But those were, you know, the the type of content I really enjoyed reading. And um, I didn't really see Black women doing it. Like I said before, it was always coming from white women. And I think because I grew up in a I grew up in a Christian family, you know, so we just saw sex as something you're supposed to do for when you're in in marriage and, you know, when you're trying to have a child. Yeah, I think I even remember one of the first blogs I wrote, not the first, but one of them was when I was horrified. I think I was at church, like a youth service and a Sunday school teacher. She must have put on this tape. And it was this woman who was talking about how she was more or less, so trigger warning, because this is sexual assault. So I just want to put a trigger warning out there. But she was talking about how she was, I think, the victim of rape and um, not victim of rape, but she was a product of rape and that her mother could have, you know, given her away or, um, you know, aborted her. But instead, she chose to keep the pregnancy. And I was just thinking, like, what is being taught here? Like, this is crazy. Like, first of all, do you even have our parents' permission to be showing us this? This is crazy. I was 18 at the time, but some of the other kids were probably like, what, between 14, 15 and 16. And they were more or less just trying to scare people away from having sex and saying, if you do fall pregnant, they were anti-abortion, of course. So, you know, you should still have the child. And I just kept thinking to myself, like, why are you teaching this? Like, if you're trying to teach people not to have sex or to keep a child, you should be allowing people to not only form their own opinions, but practice teaching safe sex and what that should look like if anyone does fall into that and not that I want to say that oh this is what happens when you don't teach safe sex but I remember like one of the girls in my in my church she was like one of the the girls who was looked at as like the angel like and I really liked her as well but she was fucking just like everybody. Well, I wasn't fucking at the time, but she was fucking and there was nothing wrong with it. She fell pregnant. And I don't think she wanted to fall pr- pregnant because she was supposed to go to university. Mm. But my thing was, had she had been taught properly about safe sex, she wouldn't have had a baby and she wouldn't have had to drop out of not being able to go to university. It just made her look like she brought shame onto the church. And I just remember thinking like, this isn't right. Like, what the hell? I don't like I don't like this at all. She should not feel like she's done something wrong. She hasn't been educated and we should be being taught about, you know, being anti-abortion. We should be taught sex education properly. But of course, that's, I don't expect that to come from the church. And if they don't want to tackle it properly, then don't do that bit at all. At least talk about how sex is a beautiful thing and that the Bible teaches that you're supposed to wait till marriage. You know, there, I feel like there's a different way you could have, that it could have been tackled because a lot of religions, not just Christianity, you know, make out as if sex is a bad thing and it's, and it's not, it's a beautiful thing. It's, it's, it's natural and, you know, God made it. So let's make sure that we're educating people properly. Dilemmas came maybe two years later. There was like Ask FM back then. I think it was like Ask FM. It was like Curious Cat. I would let them send me dating dilemmas and I would answer them. 
I would just give my answers and be like, nope, this is what's going on, da 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 da. And I felt like the reason why I could do that was because not only did I have a bit of dating experience, it was more like it was for my demographic. It was like university black girls who I know are probably going through the typical same bullshit with guys. And I would do that and give them advice. And after a while, I said, hold on, wait, I don't want to do this on another platform. I want to do it on mine. So I more or less integrated Ask FM or Curious Cat and put it into my website, Simply Olani. So if you go on like Simply Olani now, there's like a page there where you can literally send your anonymous dilemmas to. And that's when that shot off. Like every other day on social media, I would ask for people's opinions on a dilemma that was sent into me whilst also answering thousands of dilemmas there already. And yeah, I took a break for a bit. I think I took like a year break where I would come back and forth to answering it, but I wasn't as consistent um, recently. And that's because I was so busy with other projects. But I'm, I'm steady creeping back into like answering more dilemmas, especially on my podcast as well. But yeah, that's how the asking of questions for sex and relationships came about on my platform. One thing I find fascinating about Olani is how people get very comfortable discussing some of the things they do with her. I asked why she thinks she's a safe place for people to come to. I would say, do you know what? I've been following her for quite some time and I've never, ever seen her, you know, um, use anybody's scenario or bait them out or anything because that's been something I've never done and I think it's more to do with I would say just being trustworthy they've probably seen like she's been doing this for a very long time and she's never ever you know um broken anyone's trust she her integrity is obviously (laughs) very visible so I would say that would be a reason why because I've got I've had people who have followed me for ages and have never sent in anything and then they're just like do you know what I'm gonna send in a story now like sometimes I search my name and I see people say oh like they want to send me something like they're waiting for the day that they can actually join in they're like oh my gosh I'm starting to see someone not even a boyfriend they're just like Mm -hmm. oh my god I'm seeing someone I can finally send Ohlone a dilemma or I can finally partake in, okay, not a dilemma or a confessional rather. I can finally send um, or join in her, her games where she tells us to text our, our partners or, you know, the person that we're dating. So I think that's probably what it is. Like they've seen me do it for quite some time and they probably appreciate that everything that I've shared has always stayed anonymous. Like I've never, ever betrayed anybody's trust. She talks about the pressure that comes with some of the stories she has to deal with and times she has been overwhelmed by them. I get DMs when I don't want to receive DMs sometimes and that's because I'm not a robot, I'm human. So there's times when I'm just overwhelmed. Like it gets so bad that sometimes I can be on my phone and I just want to use Twitter or any social media platform just as an escape. But I will be met with dilemmas where someone's sharing something. Like I remember I had someone tell me, trigger warning again sorry like this is to death but um I had someone who messaged me and she was in her own relationship drama and she was just like I'm gonna kill myself and I was just like whoa 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 like that's a lot to put on someone do you know what I mean and we'd never spoken before and this was a couple years ago and um I just said just give me your number you know because I was just like there's no way that I would be able to sleep at night knowing that someone's just told me that they're about to kill themselves because of what they're going through 
And I spoke to her and checked up on her and, and whatnot. And, um, you know, did my best to like, just help her get through it in that time. I'm not saying, oh, I'm the reason why she didn't, you know, take her life. But I just wanted to be a voice of reason and just make sure that she had someone to talk to because not everybody has that. And that's another reason why I feel like people do come to me. Not everybody has someone to talk to or someone that they trust or someone who might keep it real with them. But yeah, I'm always met with many dilemmas and sometimes I just want to, <laughs> I just want to use an app and just, you know, just to do normal things or use my Twitter account to just like bust jokes or watch, do you know what I mean? And I might tweet something and someone will be like, check your DM, check your DM. And I'm like, I've seen the DM. I don't feel like responding and I'm allowed to feel that way. No one's entitled to a response from me just because you see me online, like. When I feel like I'm ready or that I'm in a right state, then I will do so because I understand that they might be going through something, but no one really knows what I'm going through. And that's why I started off by saying I'm not a robot. Like I have my, you know, my own shit going on. There are some people who are very considerate and say, hey, Yolani, you know, I don't know if you're in the right mental state to da da da, but I'm going through da da da. And I do appreciate that as well. And I may respond and I might not because, you know, I just might not be in the right state of mind. But um, yeah, people do get very demanding sometimes for my attention. I'm just like, well, you know, I just I, I just came on Twitter because I wanted to laugh at some memes. There's so many sad stories that I see on my website that I don't post. And even when I share, like when I do threads and people DM me stuff that they want me to post to a thread, you know, sometimes it can be too depressing. It's just like, well, wait, this is, you know, you're sharing something and I don't think you understand how serious it is because this is not something that should be part of a thread. However, what you do need to do is go to the police. There's things like that, you know, and it can make me really, really sad. And I just think to myself that I don't really feel like doing this because, you know, it's just going to put me in a mood. Or if I open up my laptop and I go through the dilemmas, I'm just like, this is really sad. Like, I can't believe this is going on with someone. And you don't want to, you almost just don't want to do it anymore because mm -hmm. it's just made you like... You know, you're just thinking about what's going on and almost just can't be asked to carry on. But like I said, um, just for my own mental well-being, I did take a break from answering dilemmas. But now I'm back and hoping that people won't be going through too much harsh things. But, mm -hmm. you know, the reality is there's definitely someone out there who is. Olani talks about processing some of the negative feedback and claims by some people that she's encouraging promiscuity by women. I do a lot of blocking. I think I was even tweeting the other day. Well, just last night, not the other day. It was just last night. I think um, even a friend of mine, Tony Tone, she's also another person who talks about dating and relationships. And she was talking about how she blocks people on Twitter for trying to disturb her peace and not because she's sensitive. And I think that's the same with me. I can be a bit sensitive, but I'm very quick with the block button. And I think that's because you have to protect your mental state and um, especially with social media, because people are truly killing themselves because of it. Like people are really killing themselves because of social media. I like to try and filter shit out. When it comes to doing that, I feel like I have learned to accept that I'm not the only person. <laughs> I am not the only person who's going through it. If I was then that would be a different story. But I'm not the first and I'm not going to be the last. So I, I've learned to just accept that this is what comes with it. And that, you know, um, I've probably said some shit about um, maybe, a, um, I don't know, a public figure or a celebrity when I was younger. Because I remember I did. I was just like, oh my gosh, when I was younger, I used to say this about this person. Oh boy, now you know how it feels. <laughs> like, you know, so, but... 
people are always going to talk crazy and if they're not talking crazy about you like what are you really doing you know more sometimes more people more than others but I feel like the people who do like have a lot of crap to say about what I do probably don't have an understanding don't want to have an understanding or have just seen a couple bits of my work that have probably you know blown up so like for example I remember when I did a thread um it was a friend's idea she was just like you know I really want to see if women have used juju before to, to you know to win a guy's heart now I thought wow that's crazy but that is like that'd be some fucking good content you know mm-hmm. and that wouldn't be something that I would see ordinarily in my favorite magazines you know you wouldn't really see that because people would be like witchcraft like witchcraft's not real but I feel like in the black culture we you know African and Caribbean culture we we know that spirits are real you know and to see if people have used it for love no one's really going to come forward and talk about that so I remember when I did that thread and, you know, obviously people went crazy. And um, when I say crazy, I mean, it just got a lot of, you know, reactions in terms of it went, you know, people were tagging me from every corner of social media. If it wasn't on Instagram, it was on Snapchat. If it wasn't on Snapchat, it was, I don't know, on someone's WhatsApp story where they were posting the stories. And I would see, I'm like, oh, you're not on Twitter, but you've seen this. I feel like when people see something like that that they don't agree with, they just base that off on your whole work. No one wants to take into consideration that I've probably helped over thousands and thousands of women with their relationship issues and not just the banter side, like the funny side, like the, you know, the real shit that's really going on, you know, where women are getting chlamydia from their partners and they don't know what to do or women who have gone through abortions and don't know how to deal with the emotional trauma or women who have been raped before like there are real issues that I still do and because that's not something that's going to go viral like a rape story like that's not really going to go viral a woman dealing with an abortion or a miscarriage isn't going to go viral but you see me talking about I don't know witchcraft or juju and love understandably that's what's going to get the people going once you see that aspect you completely cloud out everything like you completely like do you know what I mean you you don't take your time to do your research and I feel like that's what a lot of people do so when I see people talk about the shit that I do they're just like oh that girl who like writes about juju and I'm just like I didn't I didn't do that and I never encouraged it this was going on before I you know ask people to share you know their experiences and I promise you it was definitely happening before you and I were alive so why not find out about it and are you not intrigued do you not want to know what's really going on do you not want to do, do, do you know what I mean like I mean well you tell me would you not be interested in what people are really doing how far people are really going to get the love of their lives like but yeah. I also feel sorry for the guys admittedly as well because you know you've got women who are doing crazy shit to like you know just just to trying to tie you down mm-hmm. and it's just like you're all given free will if someone doesn't want to be with you out of free will then you need therapy because you know what more can I say but that's that's just what I mean you know when you see aspects of my work that might go viral you see one person say some shit a lot of people can be sheep as well you see one person say shit so you want to form an opinion about me that can also that might be shit as well and I'm not just the only person we're all guilty of doing it I feel Mm. like there might be an artist, for example, a music artist who might have a mainstream um, body of work and you might not like it, but you won't check out their other shit and their other shit might just be better than that. That was just the one that went mainstream and just was popular, but they have a body of work that's actually much better and might be deeper. Everyone has an opinion. She talks about the role of feminism in her work. If 
there was no feminism, I don't think I'd even be able to do what I'm doing. Um, it's played a huge role. You know, when people hear feminism, I don't know, for some reason it feels like, for some guys, not all guys, but for some guys it feels like it's a swear word. Like they hear feminism and they get scared. They they think you're a terrorist. <laughs> and it's just like, no, that's, that's not it at all. I just want the same opportunity that you have. Men are able to talk about sex. Men are able to um you know have a voice in a room and have and command respect women you know women aren't able to and if we do you get shut down or you get cussed or you you know you get looked at funny which is what I go through sometimes you know because I have such a huge voice I feel like sometimes it intimidates men but I wouldn't be able to have that if it wasn't for feminism so I'm very grateful for it because there are so many women who stood on the front line and said no we want to get our way this is what we want to do and we deserve it because there's a lot of shit that men aren't getting right. But I'll tell you one thing, for feminism to really work, we really do need the help of men because you guys have that privilege. And it's just like racism in a sense, you know, if we were to really eradicate racism, for example, that wouldn't really be a thing if white people didn't use their privilege to help us do that. There's no point of us fighting, fighting, fighting if, you know, if men aren't willing to budge or if white people aren't willing to budge and be like, do you know what, for so long, this has happened so we need to use our privilege to help you guys get to the top so I feel like men need to use their privilege and be and just be like you know what it should be okay for women to do this it should be not even okay women should be allowed to do this women deserve to do this but yeah I'm not the best person to talk to when it comes to feminism there's a lot of great people out there who I believe have better voices and bigger voices than that I do but I know if it wasn't for them I probably wouldn't have the platform that I do today. I released uh, a series called My Mate's a Bad Date which was on BBC um, which was really amazing it was six episodes and it went on TV it wasn't just online which was a big deal for me because I was just like oh my god I'm on TV I had like my old schoolmates hitting me up like oh my gosh I've just seen you like people I've not spoken to in 10 years I'm just like oh wow this is crazy so that was a big deal for me I also do consent workshops as well so um, I go to schools and I teach young boys and girls about consent, what it means, because I truly believe that we live in a world where a lot of us, especially millennials, and maybe a bit of Gen Z, we're not taught truly on what consent means. And we take those terrible, terrible habits to university. And that's when absolute nasty things such as rape happens so I go to secondary schools where I believe you know it should be taught it really should be taught in primary school but I go to secondary school and um and you know just explain what it means to give someone consent we play games and you know that's just my way of making sure that I'm doing my work in terms of helping young boys and girls to stay out of trouble and understanding what it means to have autonomy over your body and agency but yeah, I also have my own podcast called Laid Bear Podcast. So we talk about sexuality and relationships. It's three black girls, including myself. Every week, we just talk about our sexual experiences. We also help people with their dilemmas also. And um, I do coaching on the side, giving advice. So people are able to make an order of like you know talking to me on the phone because usually people always want to be in my dms and i'm just like listen you want to you want a phone call let's schedule and do this properly 
So I talk to either women and men and um, we just have a good old talk about their love life and I help give them my feedback from what they've told me. Um, my aim is not to give them the answers and say, you know, this is what you need to do, but to just help them in the scenario and give them, you know, another ear who can listen. Because like I said before, I feel like a lot of people who turn to their friends in relationships when they have relationship issues, their friends probably want them to stop talking sometimes. You know, sometimes you can be talking and you're just talking your friend's ear off there and they'll tell you whatever it is you want to hear. Or they'll tell you that you're right and they're wrong because that's your friend and, you know, but I'm not, I'm not this, this person's friend. Like, I owe them nothing. So I'm almost like a stranger that they talk to. I'm also a writer as well. So when I can, I write different publications and talk about sexuality and relationships. I believe that was the first time Olini had a personal interview like that. And um, it was good to get a view into her psyche and a view into more of her person. Sometimes we see people from afar, we see them as maybe public figures, and we don't really understand how they think and how they see things. It's actually really brilliant to see that she does a lot of work in her community and, you know, educating the youth. Sometimes they just need someone to just put an arm around them and say, hey, this is not how you do this. Or let me paint you more of this picture to give you more understanding of what you're doing. There's so many young people that have grown up in the age of the Internet. And there's so many things the Internet encourages that speaking to them on a one on one basis, speaking to them um, on a human level in person does a lot of good. Yeah, I hope I hope you enjoyed the conversation. Next time you see one of Oloni's threads, you know, you'll get a better picture of, you know, the thought process that goes into it. Um, she, she's, she's great. I appreciate her sitting with me to, to have this discussion, even though it was two years ago. But I'm happy that it came out because I thought about not releasing it because I'm like, it's, you know, it's just been so long. Like, how am I going to do it? But um, the conversation is timeless. So it made sense. Um, Thank you so much for listening. Um, we've come to the end of the show. Like I say at the end of every show, don't forget to subscribe to the show. Don't forget to give the podcast a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify. This helps more people come across the show. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Kingweller. You can find the podcast on Twitter at MomentsPod. You can also find the podcast on Instagram at InTheseMomentsPod. I have more stories to bring your way this season, so be on the lookout for that. Share this with your friends. Yeah, give some feedback on what you like about it, what you think could be better. I'm always open to, to your feedback. But yeah, thanks so much for listening. Take it easy. I know it's really hot out there, so look out for yourself. Stay hydrated. Don't do anything crazy. I know everyone's enjoying this summer, but you know, like one of my favorite saying goes, be careful, but still have fun. You know, enjoy yourself, but also kind of, be watchful okay so um take care of yourself i'll see you in two weeks with the new episode bye